What's up, bad Christians? Welcome back to the podcast. I um, mean to ask y'all, did y'all go to marriagesupply.com yet? That's our sex toy store. What? Why is that weird? I don't think it's weird. I don't think it's weird at all. It's a porn-free sex toy store. What's weird about what? What? No, screw me? No, screw you. Don't go to the website then. Fine with me. See if I care. Golly. Some people, my gosh. To each his own. That's what I say. Anyway, how about Emery announcing some more tour dates with Hawthorne Heights? It's the 15th anniversary tour. We're doing it about our first records where, you know, you play the old records and it's an anniversary thing. It's a lot of fun. We're celebrating The Silence in Black and White, which is their album, and The Week's End, which is our first album. And, of course, it's the best one. It has walls on it, so obviously it's the best one. And we're going to be in the Southeast, which is one of our favorite places to go, starting Wednesday, January 15th. We're going to be in Charleston, South Carolina, Columbia, Savannah, Georgia, Jacksonville. You know where that is. Ocala, that's Florida also. Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Pensacola, Florida. New Orleans, that's in Louisiana. Memphis, you know that one. And Lexington, that's in Kentucky. And that's where we're going to be in January. We hope to see you all there. We did this on the West Coast recently, and it was one of the biggest tours we've done in years. I expect this to go really well here. There's VIP tickets. There's general admission tickets. You can find it all by just going to emorymusic.com. And you stop by that marriagesupply.com on the way back. Oh, look, I just noticed this, too. There's a 20% off promo code. And it's emo forever, and you get 20% off the VIP early bird special. So that's kind of cool. Good work, whoever set that up. All right, let's get on to it. Today's show is sponsored by Brooke Lennon. These are the best sheets I've ever slept on, so you can get 10% off and free shipping at brooklinen.com when you use the promo code BADCHRISTIAN. That's brooklinen.com, promo code BADCHRISTIAN. Oh, hell yeah, God showed up. Give a shit what I put in my body. You don't ever talk to me that way. <laughs> so if you've never done oral, then you're extrovert. No, girl, it's my plan. Got you. Everybody, welcome to the Bad Christian Podcast. <laughs> Let me tell you what I need to do when it ass drops. Let me show you how to make it bounce, to make it booty drop. <laughs> what is it a praise song that matches up with a hip-hop song or what it's my tiktok that i did with a cat and i was the mouth for the cat and i loved it and i, I sang a song to it so yeah welcome to the bad christian podcast where booties drop all the time booty drop it, i mean is a good thing people i don't know but it, it used to not be i think when your people used to think booty dropping meant you were older and now your booty drops but now it means like shaking it Wait, right. what are the two? What are the two possibilities? <laughs> I've not so, thought about this before, but and, okay. I, and whether or not it's a good thing is a whole other question. So you well, got to go slow I'm, for me. I've always been pro booty drop because I have always been fascinated by uh, you know older ladies. I always thought, but whenever I heard about booty dropping, it was that you've gotten older and now your booty's sagging. Right? I it's see. drop. It's like that's what you originally thought. Gravity. Booty drop. Yes. Yes. Okay. But now. Uh, the, the, the young ones, those millennial folks have changed it to be a pro thing where booty dropping is, is, I believe, some sexualized content. Uh huh. That's like it, your booty's, you know, you're <laughs> dropping that booty in, in uh-huh. the, you know, pop, it could just mean dan- it like dancing it. in yeah, a suggestive yeah. way. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I understand that. So, well, whether or not it's, uh, to, in my mind, I just go to a, a physics kind of thing and just think, 
well, whichever would be safer to just have the booty stored with a lot of potential energy or yes. at least as kinetic is the two ways that I would look at the booty drive. If it's up, you know, if there's something up high on a shelf, we know it yeah. contains potential energy, which is good if you want to store energy. But on the other hand, it's dangerous. So if a booty being stored up is dangerous, it's better to go ahead, expend the potential energy into, you know, Acting drop the booty. And drop the booty to, to, in order to increase safety or get work done. I, I was thinking about it too. Isn't it? I mean, it's not arbitrary, but like fat in your butt looks good for the most part. I know people go sell you like whatever, but I mean, a, a, a nice fatty butt is awesome. <laughs> and fat in breasts, it, you know, nicer, fuller breasts, that, that's often looked at as good. But around your belly, not good. Like if yeah. that, why couldn't that spot be like where fat looks attractive? Well, I think fat is fine <laughs> everywhere. We don't need to stigmatize it, but there are configurations of it that we like better than others. We have preferences. That's we what I'm saying. Can't, no, can't yeah. help it. Yes, I obviously love fat. I have I've, I've collected lots of. It. I'm a fat collector, but I'm just saying, like, why couldn't? Is it is that just like our evolutionary instinct? Like the the V waist or a flatter waist is just inherently. All, for the majority of folks, more attractive. Uh, there, that's that's more complicated. The, I mean, it can, there's there's a combination of genetic fitness and stuff that you receive that way. But there's also a lot of cultural. I mean, there's top cultures when large people have been more in favor that demonstrates social social that's status true. and things like, like a like fatter king or something. Right. Was, you know, right. that that was a sign of his wealth and stuff. I get that, but yeah, but it's also but, but you still don't think that. But that, that was a sign of wealth, not a sign of physical. You know, sure, uh, virility. Or yeah, something. but it, but but those things blur out inside your own. You don't know what causes you to be attracted to people you're attracted to either. So it, things are happening on levels that you don't have access to in right. your attractions. So it's not right. such. It's not just that you just like. For instance, you have a type. Did you choose it? Can you choose another type? No, of course not. Like, right. You know, and maybe you can be open minded and 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 develop a new type. But it's not so much a, a choice. The things that you're attracted to. Right. The uh, one way to think about it, I think, is funny is. It's really more of a situation of outlier and value and scarcity, if you want to think of it that way. It, the type of body that is the hardest to get, there are very few of them. Like the perfect, like like if you want a body like yeah. LeBron's, because yeah. you think that would right. be attractive. Good luck. So we inherently value it because of its rarity. So like yeah, some rarity, crazy six foot yes. Brazilian model with perfect, you know, like just something. It's like well. Good luck trying to get it. Therefore, you know. But on the other hand, and this is where it gets funny. Hold on, wait. About- don't move on. Don't move off of that. What you just said there, though. The other thing that is surprising about that, though, is it. it that is the most body that you see. The, the yes, the perfect body. Like yes. the one that, you know what I'm saying. Like yeah, I, that's exactly. I think, right. I, I think people in general don't don't or uh, understand what a normal body looks like. Uh, but they you don't. are constantly. No, I do. I do think that. I think. I, I, I'm going to give people humans credit here. I think most people understand you aren't going to look like Beyonce or Jennifer Lopez or something. You know what I mean? Like that, that yeah, is, yeah, yeah. I think everybody understands the rarity of that, but you are constantly being shown that as, as what normal. is good. <laughs> that is yeah, what's yeah, good. Yeah. That's the sick part. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Anyway, go on with your next. Well, good for them that they have those bodies <laughs> and that's a combination of freak genetics and work and oh, I know. surgery oh, and yes. uh, personal, you know, there's all those nonstop things. work. Yeah. So, but but there's also if what I'm saying about scarcity is true, you would also expect people that some people find disgusting would be rare too, though. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like if you're the most unfit, then that's also rare. And then the question yeah. is, does that have value? 
And it does. It does for some people too. Oh, like yes. That's not the thing that's put in front of us, but it's also true that some really bizarre other types that are outliers are highly sought after. Yes, for their scarcity. Yes, Yes. and not with as near as much numbers or as prominent or as forced down your throat as what should be the norm. But nonetheless, everything out there that gets crazy and weird as far as a human or a body or a shape or something you can be into, it has a, it has a probably a dedicated audience too. <laughs> oh, 100%. You know what I mean? Yes. I but used to be, yeah. I used to be fascinated as a kid. My dad sometimes would take us into Spencer's gifts. I don't know if that store mm-hmm. still exists or not, but they would have all those cards of morbidly obese women saying mm-hmm. happy birthday. Yeah, and I was right. just, That's not I, for it, no reason. It, it would have been the same thing as me looking at a, a supermodel in a string bikini. As far as my lock in on looking at it and un- yeah. trying to understand what this body is, you know what I mean? You know, eleven yeah. year old Toby or whatever, eight year old, nine year old, ten year old, whatever, just like walking through the store, and I was like, "What? I don't under. That's crazy. I I think this is supposed to be funny, but I don't know if it is. And what is this? Right. And how did you know? It, 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 I was fascinated by it. Well, it, this is an example of everybody acting like. Uh, Oh, we're supposed to do an ad here. So yeah, I know. I was, I was trying to do interrupt it, me. Then, okay, but we still don't how. have time. We only got four minutes to the next one. Is that all right. right? All right, so just do that ad. Uh, no, I don't know. That's I'll I'm finish saying. this point then. Um, but this is an issue of sheep, like a herd mentality thing, in a in yeah. a sense, because you're conditioned for everybody to like what's safe to like. Jennifer Lopez. We all put it out there. We all agree to like it. If you start talking about the thing that you're into that's non-conventional, yeah. people will think you're weird, so you be quiet. Like, let's just say the thing you're into is a not great, a less sought-after body type. Right. Or a certain skin color that you're into, or you have a thing, like whatever, you have some attraction to something that's more marginalized. Yeah. If you put that out there as saying that you like that, you're seen as a creep anyway. Yeah. So now you Oftentimes don't even get so so you don't see a lot of people on Instagram commenting anything other than the standard body type for that reason because right. even though they want to compliment it and show that it's okay and they like it they would be labeled poorly yeah. by others because everybody wants everybody to conform to we all like Jennifer Aniston right everybody conform to this and that's what everybody seems to do but in reality there are more many more unexpressed preferences for different body types I believe. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, which would and make that, people feel yeah. better, but R- right, it and can't I, happen because we all have to pretend just Jennifer Aniston's what we like. Okay, yeah, that's why some people I think are just more uh, endearing to you that are famous. You know what I mean? Like you, you don't think of Adam Sandler as the super hunk, handsome guy. He's almost like an everyman, or Bill Murray, for example. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you don't think of them as like Brad Pitt, but you probably like them more. They feel like you. And it's real, and you can really relate to that, as opposed to, I mean, how Paul in the Rudd. world? Yeah. Paul well, Rudd, yeah. Paul Rudd's yeah. a phenomenally good-looking dude, Reva. Mike, you think that? Reva, <laughs> well, your, standards, your standards are so high that Paul Rudd is just <laughs> he's, a, yeah, he's, he's a normal <laughs> bloke. Yeah. I could go have a beer with him. Wouldn't I never date him? You know, just Not an average guy. Yeah, just <laughs> average Joe. Yeah. Paul Rudd. Yeah. He's well, like one of the most handsome men though, ever. He doesn't like age. Good God, Reba! Yeah, he has he has a new show that's all about that called. Yeah, Living but it's with a myself. cartoon. It's really good. I yeah. mean, like that's a it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's an iconic. Ver- it's a thing that's in, that makes you. F- I mean, it's it's. It, I'm not saying he's not real. It's just it, that's a. 
you have to look like that and be that good looking and that smart and that intelligent and that have that much charisma to appear to come off like an average Joe. There's no that is it's not that he's an average Joe. He's insanely talented, insanely charismatic, insanely good looking, yeah. insanely good at projecting relatability. Insane. Like he's the right. LeBron of projecting relatability. He's not relatable and an average dude. <laughs> that's not what it is. I mean, he's probably relatable in whatever way, but I mean, well, it, that's a superpower, yeah, not is, an averageness too, though, shining like, through. What he talked about there was how he could never be like he watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and he was like, I'm I could I'm never gonna be the Brad Pitt of the movie. What an average sweet oh. thing to say. I mean that that, that <laughs> a perfect line, Paul. I know he won Reba over immediately. <laughs> you know what? I'm never gonna be Brad Pitt. Reba's like, ah, this guy. You know what? Good I actually Lord. think Paul Rudd's attractive. Like it's some <laughs> alternate opinion. <laughs> like somehow I know nobody else is, but somehow I'm yeah. attracted to Paul Rudd. I, I know I'm not normal, but that Paul Rudd <laughs> is something. I tell you, he's won me over. If Paul Rudd is average, Matt and I must be what to you, Reba? We must just be the ugliest man in the history of the world. Good gosh. I, like, I think Paul Rudd is maybe one of the most handsome men in Hollywood. Like, I think, he, I mean, he doesn't age. He is yeah, phenomenal looking. Yeah. What is your, what's a good looking dude to you, Reba? Oh, man. All right, folks, I'll tell you, there's one thing that I have come to believe in my 43 years of, of living on this earth that is maybe the most important thing, and that is sleep. Seriously, if you're not getting good sleep, then uh, your rest of your life is going to be destroyed. <laughs> That's why I love working with Brooke Lennon. Seriously, uh, don't you want your home to look beautiful? Don't you want your bed to look beautiful? Don't you want your sheets and your comforter and your pillowcases to be comfortable? You spend a third of your life in sheets. Don't you want them to be insanely comfortable? I'm trying to get this comfort into your head because it changed my life. I never cared about, uh, by it, I mean Brooklyn and they changed my life because I never thought once about sheets. I always thought, you know, just get whatever's at the you know big box store and you'll be fine. These sheets changed my life because not only are they so, so comfortable, but I am sleeping better. I'm not getting as hot. I'm not getting as bothered in the middle of the night. I'm telling you, Brooklyn Brooklinen is delivering comfort all season long. They were founded in early 2014 by a husband and wife, Vicky and Rich, who wanted to find uh, beautiful home essentials that didn't cost an arm and a leg. So their mission was to make you comfortable luxury sheets, robes, loungewear, towels, and more without luxury markups. Uh, if you like softness, if you like comfort, essentials, uh, and essentials to help you relax, Brooklinen has it all. I couldn't recommend their products more for graduates, newlyweds, friends, or family, or just treating yourself to the bedroom upgrade you deserve. And you can get 10% off and free shipping anytime when you shop at brooklinen.com and use our promo code BADCHRISTIAN. Seriously. 10% off and free shipping anytime when you shop brooklinen.com and use our promo code BADCHRISTIAN. Brooklinen is so confident in their product that all their sheets, comforters, and towels come with a lifetime warranty. What are you waiting for? Get that 10% off and free shipping at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and use promo code BADCHRISTIAN. Brooklinen, Brooklinen, everything you need to live your most comfortable life. All right, moving on. Elizabeth, how are you doing? Thanks for joining our show. Can you hear us all right? Pleasure. I can hear you great. Yes. Oh, perfect. No problem. Well, we can see and hear you good too. So we'll just keep on roll. We'll just keep on rolling right with the show here. Sounds good. Elizabeth, Elizabeth, do you think that Paul Rudd is just a normal average Joe or 
I was thinking about it while you were speaking. I love Paul Rudd. <laughs> I must say, huge fan. It's, it's just you two, I guess. What can I say? <laughs> Ant-Man, great movie. And oh, he's adorable. There you go. Oh, yes. Adorable. That, that's what I'm saying. He's, a, he's like the perfect man almost. I mean, every, he's just so likable. He is really good looking. He doesn't age. He seems so approachable and everything. And smart. I mean, and smart. Oh, yeah. Right, but but do oh, we yeah. not do we not have the ability to separate that he is those things or simply projects those things well on yeah. screen? He's a brilliant actor. I'm not saying he's not. I'm not saying he's phony. But might we clarify it as he projects? He, he's the camera's friendly to him in that ways, and his skills translate to relatability and adorability. Adorability. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. But sometimes intelligence actually shines through. I think. Yeah, oh, he's definitely oh, yeah. smart. Oh, yeah, he's no very that. smart. Very that one, that one shot. I mean, yeah, for sure. But I get it. Yeah. All right. So Elizabeth, uh, once again, thank you for being here. So I, I wanted. I'm really excited to to have you on because, and I want to be really honest about how I found you. Uh, so a few weeks ago, the whole LeBron, it was the Daryl Morey, LeBron James uh china tweet incident which you know lots of people are saying now it's like the most expensive tweet that ever happened in the history of the world uh that daryl so daryl morey the gm of the houston rockets tweeted uh basically the the logo but uh i stand stand with hong kong stand with freedom and uh and i want to just be really (laughs) transparent I know nothing about China. Like I, I, the things that I've heard, I just have. I mean, I, it's the most American thing I could ever say. I just know that they, you know, definitely we import a lot of our products, you know, from them. And I know that they are communist. I think, and uh, and I know that Matt went there on a Groupon vacation with his wife and for seven hundred fifty dollars, seven hundred fifty dollars. And so I, we, we're we're very elementary educated here in this subject. And so I literally went on Google. This might be good for your own personal analytics. I went on Google and typed in China expert. <laughs> and it, that's how I mean, not, that's that's my level of research these days. Like I'm sitting on the couch in a hoodie eating popcorn. Uh, China expert. Oh, Elizabeth Economy. That's, that's oh, yeah. All right. So I found you. Good. So I mean, Google thinks of you as definitely a China uh, expert in all things China. And so I wanted, uh, and you graciously agreed to join us, and we really do appreciate it. So we we just kind of want to, basically, for us, and and I feel like after talking about this, and you know, I've had some different conversations. I I think a lot of people don't understand a lot of what's going on in China and its relation to us. So uh, that's just a little bit of an introduction. I just wanted to be <laughs> show you okay. how we found I appreciate you. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad I come up at all in it, your Google it, search. So uh, it's good it, news for me. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, what's the deal yeah, with ahead, that dang Matt. old China, man? <laughs> uh, China, that Hank, Hong Kong, what's the deal over there, man? Uh, so you want to talk about China and Hong Kong? Um, yeah. So, I mean, that is the backdrop to the whole Daryl Morey uh, debacle, right? So basically... Uh, beginning last February, March, um, the chief executive of Hong Kong, so that's Hong Kong's leader, uh, Carrie Lam, introduced a bill that said uh, that would make it easier for China to extradite uh, people from Hong Kong, not just Hong Kong citizens, but anybody who happened to be in Hong Kong. So if you were visiting on your Groupon tour uh, and they believe that you had committed some kind of crime, they could extradite you. So Carrie Lam introduces this bill uh, and the Hong Kong people react very badly. 
they are uh, unhappy at the prospect that their that the rule of law, that their individual liberties might somehow be compromised because they are uh, technically uh, in a one country, two systems uh, arrangement with China until 2047. Uh, and so that protects the people of Hong Kong from China's lack of rule of law, right? Hong Kong is governed by the rule of law. It has transparency. Uh, it had a very effective civil service, independent judiciary, etc. Uh, so anyway, uh, to make a long story short, uh, they began protesting on a daily basis in June, uh, and the protests have uh, remained in force since then. Uh, Carrie Lam and the Hong Kong government agreed to withdraw the bill, but even with that, the people have continued to protest. They have a number of other demands. Namely, they want the protests to be recognized as legitimate. Uh, they want the 3,000 or so protesters that have been arrested to be released. Uh, they want universal suffrage, so they want the right to vote, uh, you know, one person, one vote for the next uh, chief uh, executive. And they want the Hong Kong government to launch an inquiry into the police brutality. Uh, so these are the demands that they have, and the Hong Kong government has demonstrated absolutely no interest in negotiating with them. And so we've seen the situation really spiral uh, down into just an enormous amount of violence. Uh, uh, it's quite devastating because Hong Kong really uh, was a spectacular place. Uh, you know, a free trading zone and, and uh, lively uh, people, great food, great shopping. Yeah. Uh, and now it's in a really terrible situation. How is Hong Kong connected or not connected with China? It, it, it is a part of China, right? It is a part of China. So um, when the British handed, uh, the British ruled uh, Hong Kong for 99 years, they handed Hong Kong back uh, to China in 1997. They, and again, there was an agreement that was established between China and the UK and Great Britain uh, that Hong Kong would be governed within its own system. Right. So uh, there's no communist party uh, ruling Hong Kong in Hong Kong. Uh, you know, they have a multi party uh, system. They have democracy parties. Um, they have, uh, you know, a, a chief executive that is handpicked by Beijing. Uh, but otherwise, their system more or less would correspond, uh, frankly, more closely to something in the United States, again, with an independent judiciary, et cetera. This system uh, of governance uh, is to stay in place until 2047. That's the agreement. And in 2047, Hong Kong reverts fully back into mainland China. Uh, and oh, the, wow. the challenge there was that, you know, when Hong Kong first uh, uh, turned over in 1997, the idea was that uh, maybe mainland China would begin to look more like Hong Kong because you'd have political reform over time. Uh, but in fact, mainland has regressed. And so now the thought that Hong Kong is going to be swallowed up into the mainland by 2047 is quite frightening to the Hong Kong people. I mean, they believe that their freedoms, their economic freedoms, their political freedoms are being steadily encroached upon by Beijing. So, you know, really it's a feeling, I think, for many Hong Kong people like they're being suffocated, like a slow suffocation until 2047. Mm -hmm. So is that part of what's going on with... <laughs> When you say the initial things that they're protesting over, especially extradition, in a way that sounds trivial to me because, I mean, I, I get it, but it's like uh, that's not so profound, but it's more the principle and we're starting down, we have all this stuff imminent and we, we are terrified as people in Hong Kong that we're going to lose our freedom, so we need to, you need to act now. Is that kind of the sense? That they have. Right. So, so I think, yeah, the extradition um, bill was one thing among a number of things that had already started. So, for example, there's an effort by Beijing to push patriotic education 
in Hong Kong, right? To right. to have the right. sort of mainland Chinese narrative uh, about uh, Chinese history uh, pushed in Hong Kong schools. You know, they made it illegal to boo the national anthem, the Chinese national anthem, uh, at you know soccer games uh, in Hong Kong. Uh, they put in place ah, okay. a train station. They did all sorts of things that made the Hong Kong people feel as though um, their rights, again, were being encroached on. But I think to say the extradition bill seems sort of small, imagine, right, if you're a political activist in Hong Kong, you now know that you no longer are protected uh, right. by Hong Kong's rule of law. The Chinese mainland government can just simply say, you have committed crimes against the mainland. We want you to come. So not really so small. Okay, actually, that clarifies a lot for me so and you differentiated in that Hong Kong has rule of law and we take rule of law as assumption here but it then is probably way worth uh, explaining what China the, the fact that China doesn't have rule of law and they are the ones that could do the extradition is the scary part it's not exactly. like if I was going to be extradited from Alabama to Texas okay whatever <laughs> but if some foreign government that's authoritarian in nature and has no doesn't matter what they want to do with you because they're that way. If they can extradite you from some other territory, that's a real issue. That means exactly. that they just don't like your political speech or your views or that's whatever. Right. And then and when you get in talking about the school stuff, that would hit with Americans really well when we think about indoctrinating our kids or the government's right to your kids and schools and what they do to them there. That's hot button for people here that I'm sure clicks. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and because the Chinese government doesn't actually uh, portray its history accurately, <laughs> right, mm-hmm. so it ignores huge chunks of its own history, it also just means that you're not being educated, you know, fully mm-hmm. in Hong Kong, right? So yeah, I think that's right. another frightening thing. Again, Hong Kong has freedom of the press. It has free speech. It has all the basic individual, you know, liberties and, and rights that we have here in the United States. So, you know, it's a frightening thing for them. Listening to The Thread, the newest single from The Devil Wears Prada. Love those guys. Been friends with them a long time. The Thread is one of the songs from their new record, The Act, which came out this past Friday on Solid State Record. It rules. So go check it out. Seriously. The Devil Wears Prada will be in and on a full U.S. tour this fall with Norma Jean and Gideon. Man, what a great lineup. Uh, So head over to their website for tickets. Make sure to follow the band on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you listen to music. 
to make sure you don't miss any updates or new music. The act is out everywhere now, so go dig into it and just listen to it. You're going to love it. So, Toby, we have a fork to go down here. I'll let you drive. But one is to talk about China and its issues and its human rights. And, like, in one sense, I see Hong Kong as a subset of a rising China problem. But on the other hand, we could stay here with about Hong Kong and this. I'm, I'm flexible on, on that. Well, well, I think that's the thing that – and maybe this will answer your question with my question. Um, it, when Daryl Morey posts that – uh, obviously, uh, for those listening that don't know, like Houston Rockets are like the bit most popular team in China. They had Yao Ming as their center for several years, and it, it is like maybe the most international, especially for, to the, the Chinese people. It's like their team in a way, uh, as far as all the American teams, all the NBA teams. And so when he posted that, it, is that saying he endorses, uh, like, this is, is this the first stages of a, a civil war? In a way for, like, we cannot go, Hong Kong doesn't want to be engulfed or taken over completely in 2047, as you said, by China because they're scared they will lose all their rights and the rest of China is dangerous and the history's bad. <laughs> that's a long, right, long, right. horrific question that I asked you. I apologize. But yeah, it, no, that's, it, it, that's, yeah. Basic, that's basically right. I mean, I think um, the way to understand the, how China viewed this and, and viewed Daryl Morey's statement is, you know, Daryl Morey was just basically saying, you know, he supports the Hong Kong people's right to protest and their desire for freedom and to protect their liberties. Right. To us, that seems completely reasonable. Uh, for mainland China, uh, you know, they believe that Hong Kong is their sovereign territory, as they do with the South China Sea and Taiwan. And they also believe right, that people elsewhere shouldn't be meddling in what they consider to be their internal affairs. Mm -hmm. So they don't want anybody outside China uh, criticizing what they're doing or even really engaging in political discussion about what they consider to be their internal, internal affairs. So the official Chinese response to Daryl Morey's tweet uh, was basically uh, that, there, that issues of sovereignty and uh, social stability or political stability do not fall within the purview of free speech. So that's an extraordinary statement, right? Yeah. Basically, they're saying not only do the Chinese people not have the right to free speech to talk about Hong Kong or Taiwan in ways that they want to talk about it, but even if you're sitting outside in the United States or any other country in front of your computer, you know, you are not permitted to tweet something like Daryl Morey tweeted. So that really is this extraordinary, frankly, uh, expansion hilarious. of wow. the Chinese model, right? right. Chinese beliefs globally. It's really something, I think, quite striking. 
It's yeah, uh, because th- yeah, yeah, they're they're they're. That that is what was. Uh, I mean, once again, I, I'm sorry that I'm so ignorant to all of these. What, what, once this happened, and then, uh, and we can talk later about LeBron's response or whatever. Once this happened, I was just like, "What is this thing with with China?" I don't. I, I mean, I always thought it was just a safe place. It. it I, I know they're communists, but I, I didn't think they were anything like you know USSR or Russia or Stalin. You know, uh, the communism that I grew up with as a kid that was scary and evil. I didn't know all this, but. There is a list of uh, human rights violations, and like you were saying, they they're not even allowed free internet access, like free speech and full access to like Facebook or Twitter. I don't even know if Twitter's over there. It, it, can you speak about that a little bit? Like China sure. really does control a lot of that, right? No, that's right. I mean, it controls its internet. It censors its internet. Uh, Twitter and Facebook are both banned. Uh, in, and YouTube are all banned in, in China. China developed its own homegrown versions of these that it can control. Um, so uh, the fact that, frankly, the fact that they responded to a tweet, right, by Daryl Morey is even more ironic since Twitter's not even available uh, right. in China. So I don't know why they got so upset about it, but but they certainly did. <laughs> so, um, so all those things are banned, right? The media is controlled by the Chinese government. Um, uh, they pay a lot of attention to what universities use for their textbooks. I mean, all these things. Uh, you know, Xi Jinping is very concerned about the potential for you know, Western liberal thought to influence the Chinese people. So he has really, over the past seven years since he's come into power, cracked down on any avenue uh, through which this speech can flow. So I think uh, you know, he's made China much more repressive than it was before he came into power. Yeah, it seems like that's it's changed. The tone of China <clears throat> from in the 80s, and in the 80s, you were, this is my level of feeling about China is in the 80s it was scary and you thought there was some problems and we were closer to the revolution at that time and there was the Tiananmen Square and that kind of thing so you knew to be worried about it but then they had dropped the one child policy at some point and made it it seemed like a lot of real good gains it was like okay China is a good place now or it's okay now and that was late 90s or 2000s and now with the technology, it seems like it's technology driven that like everybody's fine with them just being over there. And, yeah, they got some problems. But with their technolo- technological innovations and pressing into the rest of the world at such a rapid pace and they've invested so heavily in that, you know, that's, I think, what is making everybody nervous out here. Or is it just we just are so thirsty for political discontent that will jump on other people's problems and go you know that's where i'm at it's like it's okay maybe it is internal that's i i don't know like what are they worried about our protests for they're not but on the other hand is this a for this is a formation of a a really large bully state that will never stop until they're stopped right i I think you've put your finger on two important points one is the role of technology um so, you know, China is really developing a surveillance state, right? They have 200 million cameras mm-hmm. that are capable of facial recognition. They're also working on voice recognition and gait recognition. So even if they can't get your face in three seconds because you're hiding it, they'll be able to uh, de- determine who you are by how you walk. Uh, oh, they want to have as many as wow. 600 million cameras by, by t- the end of 2020. Um, you know, you look at what's going on in Xinjiang. I mean, it's just really uh, extraordinary. Xinjiang Autonomous Region, which is a far western province, where they've put in, you know, a million to two million ethnic uh, Uyghur, Muslim Uyghurs, uh, in labor and re-education camps. I mean, this is a human rights violation on an epic scale, right? And that is what many countries, including the United States, are pushing back against and speaking out against. But the 
the sort of concentration, the ability of them, of the Chinese government to access this repressive technology, like, you know, everybody in Xinjiang, their phones uh, have an app that allows the, the local government to see exactly what they're doing on their phones, right? So it tracks right back to the local public security bureau, anything that you search. They send in local officials into people's homes to spend three or four days with them to make sure that they're not practicing any element of their, you know, Muslim religion. So it's it's really incredible the degree to which China has rolled back to some of the most sort of repressive and frightening tactics of the 1950s and 1960s that are really just enhanced by all this technology. Uh, so mm -hmm. I think that is one really important uh, aspect of what's going on. Um, and the second, in terms of whether it's our right to to sort of intervene or to intercede, I think it's important to, to recognize that for, for many Chinese who are, you know, liberally minded, uh, who uh, were trained in the West, who were educated in the West and are now back in China, uh, having the United States speak out on these issues is important. You know, it's important for people in Xinjiang, for people in Hong Kong and elsewhere uh, that feel that repression coming from mainland China to know that they have support outside of their country. So I don't think that we should be shy about um, about, you know, pushing our own values and ideals. At the same time, of course, you know, we have to be receptive and open when people criticize us about things that are going wrong in our country. Uh, but just because we do things that are bad doesn't mean that we can't criticize others when they're doing things that are, are not good. Well, so why don't we? I mean, because, I mean, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong here, but uh, why is that controversial of Daryl Morey? Why, why is it, why, if they've got horrific abuses against Muslims on a grand scale, what is it, the Uyghurs, how do you pronounce it? Is mm -hmm. that right? Right, yeah. exactly, yeah. A and you... It, it, how is that not how what's the deal with our media here like what's what's the deal like if i don't understand that's not to, i don't understand why it's not huge news in another sense and that's all anybody's talking about given the maybe it's true that people don't understand that how scary an authoritarian surveillance state is but many people say about that in in the ai community and stuff that if you ever if there was ever a full authoritarian surveillance state that could ever get power it would simply be impossible to have a revolution because they could never let anybody... Like The only way there's ever revolutions are people rise up, and that could be thwarted infinitely if you know who everybody is and what they're always saying all the time. There will no, there's no such thing as overturning that once it's in place. It is, it's real fear. Right. I mean, I, I, think, I think that that is, that is a concern, right, that when you have eyes into every single corner of your country... Um, and I mean, there are many more things going on in China to try to, you know, like a social credit system that is evaluating right. the Chinese citizens on their political and you know economic trustworthiness and rewarding and punishing them. So, you know, all sorts of different uh, things that are going on in this country that are designed to sort of control to develop sort of a model, a model citizen in, I think, what we would find to be fairly frightening ways. Yeah. I mean, the truth is that the, the U.S. media does write about this problem. Um, it's hard for journalists to get access to Xinjiang. You know, the Chinese government pretty tightly controls who can go in and who can go out. So, you know, generally you can only go in if you're invited, like on a special, you know, tour. Uh, but some journalists uh, are doing things. I think there's going to be a newspaper I happen to know, but I'm not allowed to speak about that's going to have a pretty major expose coming out on Xinjiang uh, in the next week or so. Um, so there is that element. And frankly, the U.S. Congress has been pretty active and aggressive, members of Congress um, speaking out against what's going on in Xinjiang and um, 
looking to pass some kind of laws that will punish uh, officials uh, in Xinjiang who are responsible for oppression and uh, looking to ensure that American companies are not doing business uh, or have partnerships with companies that are involved in the repressive uh, surveillance uh, technologies that are being used in Mm -hmm. Xinjiang. So there are a number of efforts underway. And and actually, the United States sponsored a resolution in the United Nations with a bunch of uh, European countries uh, condemning Chinese practices with regard to Xinjiang. So there is uh, there are things underway. They maybe aren't as as many uh, as there should be. uh, But I think people are increasingly upset. I think it's going to be an issue when it comes to the Olympics, because China is going to be hosting the uh, Winter Olympics. And so I think that's going to be problematic as well. uh, Looking forward. Yeah, Olympics got enough so. problems already. That'll be a whole shit storm, I imagine, yeah, China no, and the Olympics. Yeah, that'll be maybe a nice distraction from the other shit storms we deal with. <laughs> yeah, no. but is uh, so is China? Are the people of China? Do they have wealth? Is, do they have a middle class, upper class? Like, is China a, a rich or poor country? So yeah, that's a com- somewhat complicated question. I'll just say they've got more billionaires uh, in China than anywhere else in the world. Uh, their middle class is generally put at about uh, 400 million people out of 1.3 <laughs> to 4 billion people. Um, but they're, you know, they are the second largest economy in the world. But because they have so many people, their average per capita income is only somewhere around eight, nine, ten thousand dollars a year. So, um, you know, there are many people in China who still live in what we would consider to be poverty. Uh, but they have a growing uh, middle class and they have a big number of people who we would consider to be sort of uber ultra wealthy. Um, and many of those people are trying to get their money out of the country. Really? Because uh, absolutely. Because absolutely. Why? So, oh, because it's actually it's very difficult to get your money out of the country. And they're very concerned about the Chinese economy. A lot of them are entrepreneurs who don't like all of the increasing repressive uh, political constraints around what they want to do. And because the Chinese government is increasingly intruding on businesses. Right. And trying to tell businesses in China what to do, you know, where they can invest and enhancing the role of the Communist Party in the businesses. Uh, so I think, you know, making them arms of the Chinese state. Uh, so I think that's a concern, too, for people who are gen- genuinely, you know, entrepreneurial. Uh, they don't want all of this intrusion by the government. So uh, about a third of the people in China who have assets over a million dollars are trying to emigrate. So that kind of gives you a picture of the situation. A third of the people? <laughs> wow. Yeah. They have a lot of money. So, and then there's also those billionaires are going to be split by the ones that are became billionaires because they're in the pocket of and involved with the government, though, who are also powerful and billionaires. And then the ones that, you know, maybe are trying to make money on their own entrepreneurially, in which case they're the ones that want to get out. It's like that. You know, it's true. But what's interesting is so if you look at a company like Tencent, which is the one that has the responsibility for streaming the NBA games, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it. It made money uh, on its own, right? It was an entrepreneur who started at Ponyma. Uh, definitely there's some investment from the Chinese government early on. The Chinese government wants a, a, a stake in, in every big company that's, that's happening, especially anything that's dealing with the Internet. But, you know, at one point, about a year ago or so, the Chinese government, Xi Jinping, decided uh, to stop uh, any approval for new video games. Right. And so Tencent stock just plummeted. Right. Because they're they're big in the in the gaming business. Now there's a new regulation that says uh, that the Chinese they're going to have a a limit. Um, Chinese young uh, kids are only going to be able to play video games for an hour and a half a day. 
Oh no! So, you know all these regulations. Wow, they you can know, make that a are, law or a regulation. Yes, exactly. They can do whatever they exactly. want once you get wow. all they that. They can. Right. They can, and they're going to try to find a way to you know put it in you know kids' phones or TVs or whatever that ways to to enforce this as well. So um, so for Chinese companies, um, you know, even if they started off as you say, benefiting from, you know, government support in some way, uh, the more intrusive the government becomes, uh, the less, you know, positive they're going to be about their engagement. So there is some natural checks and balances here that they can't be too overzealous or they will cause economic problems for themselves. Yeah, I mean, look, we've already seen that um, the Chinese economy is slowing. You know, it's uh, officially it's like 6.1 percent. But, you know, at most, you know, economists will say it's probably five point something. Some Chinese economists have said it's negative growth. Uh, So what we know is the situation is is very difficult right now. Unstable then. If if they know if the top brass knows that, then they're going to be reacting and what, you know. Right. I mean, I think they're quite concerned uh, about the economic slowdown. The challenge is that when the Chinese economy slows, they tend to turn toward nationalism. Mm -hmm. And something like this Daryl Morey tweet and and the idea that, you know, another country is trying to tell us what to do kind of is the perfect foil for for them to sort of stir up nationalistic tendencies, Um, especially because most of the people in mainland China don't have a lot of sympathy for the people in Hong Kong. So are we in propaganda territory? Can we? I mean, is it true that the videos I'm seeing sometimes are propaganda from China to confuse me on the Hong Kong issue? <laughs> you know, if you're watching videos from China on Hong Kong, uh, yeah, I, I think that's a mistake. Um, but but <laughs> well, uh, I don't know where anything comes from or who's a bot. And, you know, I don't know anything. Like I don't know um, what to trust. Uh, well, I think I think you generally can trust the American media to present, uh, you know, a, a reasonably accurate picture of what's going on, or at least if you, if you don't like the U.S. media, you can look to the BBC or, mm-hmm. or a Canadian broadcasting company. They're all showing pretty much the same, the same thing. Um, but indeed, the Chinese media are quite skewed uh, in the way that they are presenting the situation in Hong Kong. Is it hypocritical of the NBA, as it seems, to just, oh, we make a lot of money from there, so we're not going to speak out, or Marvel movies, you know, like to change their movies and everything just because they know China's a big market? I mean, that's just, those are just consumer products to consumers in China, so... Is, how does, what yeah, are the implications I, there? I mean, to be honest, I, I really think that Adam Silver ha- made a, a very important statement uh, in the end when he basically you know, came out and said, listen, our, we value free speech, diversity of opinion. That is an American you know, value, and we are not going to sacrifice that for however much money we're making in China uh, with the you know, China and NBA China. Uh, you know, it's a one point, I guess, four billion dollar uh, streaming deal with Tencent for the games and the market's like four billion dollars or whatever. It's huge money, uh, but it's really important that we stand behind our values. And I think we've seen, you know, the Chinese people want the NBA. And so even when they're not getting the games from CCTV, they're finding other ways to access those those games. Uh uh, and, you know, look, when you're something like the NBA or you can look at other areas like the airline industry or hotel industry that have come under pressure for other issues like the way they identify Taiwan, if they stand together and push back against uh, Beijing, uh, Beijing doesn't really have any leverage. Uh, the time when Beijing has leverage is when you don't uh, put don't sort of step forward and stand up for what you believe in. And you kind of cave to this idea that uh, what does it really matter? We'll give them an inch. You know, we'll give them a mile. Uh, they'll take a mile. Uh, so mm-hmm. I think, right. uh, you know, I give a lot of credit to Adam Silver. 
That's am good. I, am I personally like uh, contributing to like uh, human human rights violations with like m- purchasing my iPhone or a pair of Nikes? Like how how much are those companies tied up with cheaper labor and mining resources and stuff like that? I mean, look, the truth of it is we live in a globalized world and, you know, iPhone obviously is it has a huge, you know, global supply chain and a lot of the actual, um, you know, manufacturing uh, of the iPhone uh, assembly of the iPhone is does take place in China. Uh, you know, do we want to say uh, that every every element of our economic engagement with China is in some way fueling this repressive authoritarian regime? I mean, yes, I think you could take it to that extreme. Do I think it's a good idea to do that? No. Uh, I think this is a moment in time uh, that China is going through with a particularly uh, authoritarian um you know, frankly, somewhat ugly uh, leadership. I don't think we want to pull everything out because this too will change over time. And I think we want to be there as part of that change. Uh, I think that what we don't want to do is, again, sacrifice our own ideals uh, to do business in China. Um, But, you know, if we completely withdraw, we also lose any leverage that we have. Yeah, I think that was what was so tough. Like uh, when Daryl Morey tweeted this out, LeBron James, my favorite player, maybe my favorite player of all time, and then he waited about a week, and then he said something to the effect to the media of, yes, we have free speech, but, but that comes with consequences, and you have to be careful. But what was so crazy about him saying that at that moment, literally the day before, I just watched him open – I don't know why I watch this stuff on YouTube. This is how I waste time. Watched him open a pair of special Nikes that Nike sent him about mm. uh, the just uh, shut up and dribble campaign. Where <laughs> athletes are just supposed to shut up and dribble and not not speak out and not do the, and then he goes and says yes and it seems so clear that it's just about the money and that's yeah. why like I, I do wonder like a, a company like Nike I mean they it, if China were to pull back it, it could destroy a company like Nike right like I mean they they get so much of their product made over there and resources like could could China hurt an American company. Oh, no doubt. Look, the Chinese um, can hurt American companies um, by boycotting uh, their products. Um, uh, You know, they can close markets off to companies very easily. Um, But I I think, look, Nike can develop other markets. They look as frankly, as part of the broader trade war, um, global supply chains are shifting. So, you know, about 30 percent of apparel and and other, um, you know, and shoe wear is moving out of China right now, in part because labor costs in China are going up, but also because uh, companies are are concerned about the the impact of the tariffs. So it's already happening uh, to some extent. Um, I I actually found it also very interesting to look at the individual reactions of the the various players. Uh, And you mentioned LeBron James, but look at Shaquille O'Neal, who took the opposite tact. Right. Uh, what did he say? And, yeah, I saw him on a show with Charles Barkley, right. and uh, you know Charles Barkley was basically like, "This costs a lot of money. It costs players a lot of money." Mm-hmm. And Shaquille O'Neal is basically like, "Well, there's there's a lot more to life than the money, right? This is a, a value, right? Nobody should be able to tell us what we can and cannot say." So, uh, I think it's it's actually a really this this NBA issue is a really important moment. I think for the United States, uh, for the people of the U.S., kind of a, a wake up call. To understand, you know, how do what what price, you know, do we put on American values? Right? A, what are we willing to pay? Right. Um, it, that's very much the the interesting philosophical question here that we've now all come to, which is kind of more my interest. Like, I'm not 
whatever about this company or that or this thing or even the what's going on in Hong Kong. But the bigger question it, to me, as it does, because I don't know, I'm just trying to be level, involved on the level that I'm in, which is in this case, talking about it. And I'm curious about the role of our culture. Not our, I like to try to not rely on the government and certainly foreign governments and stuff to solve things or giant companies. That's not, I don't believe that's the level that I have much to do with, but the cultural level I'm interested in. And you seem to be so, like the reactions of NBA players, that's not just celebrity gossip. That actually matters here. And South Park is covering this and commenting on it. And it's humor. So can... And South Park is now banned in China. (laughs) Oh, no surprise. (laughs) But I mean, but, but that's like, so now we're talking about what those guys do as actual, I mean, I don't know. That's what the world's kind of freaking me out right now. Because is everything activism, including entertainment and jokes, or how useful is just, I mean, I love to use humor to accomplish real goals. I mean, that is a way that I think. And so when I see, I I love that concept. I wish more people would would understand it. But now we're in some space here where it's it's starting to get confusing. Like, is everything we do part of, is it the effect of globalism that like every joke you make has international effects? If you're writing a script or goofing off on a podcast or what, or NBA comment at a press conference crazy. No, that's, I mean, I think that's, that's important, right? It's important to understand that um, the reach of China is global now. And, and they've established that anything you say, you know, this very podcast, right, could in some way limit my ability to go to China, Mm -hmm. limit your ability to go to China in the future. I could not get a visa the next time I want to go. So they are, they pay attention to everything and and to everything that everyone says. And, you know, the world is kind of divided into friends and not friends of China. And so uh, that's the game that they're playing, right? You want access to our market, you need to play by our rules and uh, our values and subscribe to our values. Uh, So again, for every individual, I think he or she has to make his or her own determination of how they want to to engage with that. Um, do so, do podcasts happen in China? Do they does can they get our podcast there? I mean, I know the government probably can get it, but I mean, can are, are people in China listening to this? I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know how popular you guys are in China. To tell you the truth, <laughs> if, we're, if we're allowed sure to be there, I assure you, you, we have they're fans all there listening in. Um, you know, it's it's possible. It's certainly possible. Um, look, there's you know the Great Firewall would by its very nature block you, but um, but people go around the Great Firewall but all the time. But, but I mean, have to be, isn't Christianity okay. banned there anyway? Christianity isn't allowed there, is it? Well, Christianity, as long as it uh, takes second place to the um, to the Chinese Communist Party, so there are official churches, official Catholic Church, official Protestant Church, etc. Um, which means, for example, like if you are Catholic, it would mean that your first loyalty cannot be, you cannot think that the Pope is a higher authority than Xi Jinping. That's the wow. official church. Then they have underground churches that have, you know, maybe a hundred million Chinese who, who are part of underground churches. Uh, and that really is Christianity. Uh, you know, that's true religion, yeah. true believers um, who subscribe to the same religions that, that, you know, we do here in the United States, the same range of religions that we do. Um, but China also has official religions <laughs> that, uh, that are the ones permitted. The house churches, et cetera, are banned. They're illegal in China. And, and you could be sent to jail or something if you were caught. Uh, the same way as, you know, these, some of these other folks that, it, you know, did something that they didn't like on the Internet or something like that. 
Yeah, you're, you're probably not going to be jailed just for going to a house church, but if you were leading a house church, sure, you could be jailed. Just depends on how much energy, if they're in the midst of a crackdown on, on you know, the house churches, et cetera, then yes, you could yeah, all so, be jailed. So that circles all the way back to now you're in Hong Kong, which it was fine to maybe have your house church. And now you're thinking by just saying God is almighty, you might be get extradited to mainland China and put in a jail. <laughs> that, so right. now we need to go protest because that, that, you know, we don't want that. That's their situation. Right. They didn't need to have house churches because they have freedom of religion in Hong Kong. Um, so they were, they're fine. So, um, so the, wow. but the pastor that goes up there next Sunday and makes a, a hard claim for the sovereignty of God above all things could, I mean, if yes, with extradition absolutely. would now be that's right. We, yeah. That's absolutely right. That's abs- that is what the extradition law could do. Mm-hmm. But now and, it's been pulled. So no more extradition law. Okay. Okay. But, 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 there, but China is thinking, uh-oh, this is potentially the start of a civil war or that liberal West is going to uh, try and use Hong Kong against us to try and infiltrate and take over. And they're trying to lock, lock that down, I guess, is the thing. That- yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, so the former chief executive of Hong Kong, uh, Tong Chihua, said, you know, basically you can see the black hand of the United States behind this. So in the initial stages of the protest, they tried to blame all of this on the United States, like somehow the U.S. was responsible for getting two million Hong Kong Chinese to go out and protest on the streets. I mean, it was ridiculous because they don't want to accept that there is this group of, you know, ethnically Chinese citizens who nominally belong to their own country who are basically saying we have no interest in the, you know, governance model and the political and economic model that you present. Right, because that's a, a slap in the face to the Chinese Communist Party. So much easier to blame, quote, outside hostile foreign forces for stirring up trouble uh, than to acknowledge that in some way your model is not attractive to to people outside, uh, you know, your country. So the average American is would do well at this time to simply pay attention and and, and have a general awareness and watch this these situations. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's really important uh, for people in the United States to to have a a pretty full understanding of what's going on inside China, because, you know, look, the way that the Chinese government behaves at home is also the way it behaves abroad. So, you know, the surveillance system that it's putting in place in China is being exported to Bolivia and Peru and Zimbabwe and Tanzania and Kenya, et cetera. Uh, You know, Chinese TV is being piped through Chinese telecommunications networks globally. Um, The fact that the Chinese government, you know, plays such a a, a strong role in Chinese private companies is a good part of the reason that the U.S. government and the Japanese and the Australians don't want Huawei, right? I'm sure many people have you know, heard of Huawei, don't mm-hmm. want Huawei in our infrastructure, right? Because we know that Huawei has to respond to any demand from the Chinese government. Uh, so we don't want to give that power over our critical infrastructure. So absolutely, people in the United States need to understand what this Chinese government is all about, um, both at home and what it's trying to do on the global stage. Do you have any predictions on the future <laughs> of China? Okay. Um, well... You know, frankly, uh, I'm concerned that, you know, as we look forward, uh, that we are ill-equipped to deal with uh, the type of China that is emerging because it's one that's both more repressive and authoritarian at home and also more ambitious and expansive abroad. 
And unless the United States both internally, right, has the cohesion to respond uh, to, to China in a forceful way, and we work with our allies, because this isn't all about the United States and China. If we look, you know, to Europe, if we look at Japan and Australia, basically all these countries are facing the same, and all of their companies are facing the exact same kinds of challenges and concerns that uh, that we are here in the United States. And so what we should be doing is partnering with them to push back uh, against China, you know, on some of these egregious, you know, issues like what's going on in Xinjiang. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, my hope, frankly, is that, uh, you know, we'll get our act together here at home uh, and we'll be able to work with our partners, um, you know, both to bring pressure to bear on China, but also, frankly, to give hope uh, to those within China uh, who are interested in seeing their country take a, a different uh, path forward. Um, so, yes. And, you know, for people who are interested uh, in learning more about what's going on in China today, uh, I do uh, have a recent book uh, updated in, in uh, August of 2019 called The Third Revolution, Xi Jinping and the New Chinese State. Uh, so it's cheap on paperback, cheaper on Kindle. Uh, you know, take a look. That's great. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us today. You've been very informative and, and, and very great. Your uh, Twitter handle is at Liz Economy, so you can go follow her there. Very active, and, and, and we appreciate it. All right. Thank, thank you so much. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, Toby, well, we can react to that, but I think right off the bat, I think that I'm very frustrated to now know how mad my wife is going to be at me that we can't go to Taiwan on vacation because the China web crawls all of our conversations and knows that I'm blacklisted now. Yeah. So, I mean, thanks uh, a the, lot. Yep. Yeah, the name Christian, well... What if they think bad Christian is good? Well, they just heard what I said about China. <laughs> but They just heard us talking shit on China. China, you're bullshit. Okay, great. You, now I can never the, go back. There's no <laughs> way they can listen to everything in the world. Of course they can. That's very easy to do. And I'm to not everything? saying they... What, I, what are you saying? Like an, you algorithm that ping, that, an algorithm that pings anytime the word uh, Chinese government okay. or something? Well, like, think what, about how, all of Facebook. And how if you put anything objectionable up there, it will be gone in minutes. And how, there's true. thousands and thousands of hours that go to Facebook every second, and they're all listened but, to or but reviewed. But that is just America, though. Think about the entire world. But it's but, all done instantly in billions of hours. Right. You know, th thousands and thousands of hours on YouTube <laughs> go up every yeah. second, and they're all caught by computers. Computers can think a bit faster than you. They don't have to listen in real time. They just crawl the whole web every second and look for words. And everything that you ever say is easy to put on a transcript now. Reva did one for us yesterday for free through Google uh, Documents, and it came out with a decent yep. amount of errors. But you could read the whole thing we said yesterday instantly. And if you pay $13, you will get a really good transcript. And if you're the Chinese government, why wouldn't you just automatically have every piece of audio in the world transcribed and then web crawled for keywords and phrases and AIs that know how to string together wow. connections of who to pee on the watch list. And then the watch list gets bumped up and further reviewed. So anybody who said China is bullshit, that would be filtered. And now I'm in that category and then they'll filter through that. And when I say they, I just mean machines that they create. I'm telling you, this was really enlightening. I, Elizabeth was just great. Gosh, it makes me feel when I'm around certain people i feel so dumb i just I, I, like i'm smart <laughs> enough you like just to know how dumb i am oh she's so good but but you like the like, feeling of being dumb i mean you're not dumb but I well think i i love the feeling of realizing oh yeah 
I, there are great, amazing, smart people out there. there. You know, like, like if, if I'm one of the smart, famous people, this world's really, real bad. Like if, if people, I mean, if everybody's like me, but people like Elizabeth just, just so well versed. And I mean, like everything she presented was so even kill, yeah, uh, sure. It's clear nice like it wasn't 100%. it wasn't biased like or emotional like i would right. do you know what i mean yeah. like I, that that like i just thought it was so great and i just really enjoyed that interview so much it was really enlightening and i'm telling you that that is what is uh i, I it got me wondering and you were even kind of talking about this like is the next stage global cultural uh woke uh, uh, i, I don't like, know what but global's right I, that that global connection thing though like i mean because right now we almost in some ways obviously i mean people have been saying this outside of the us forever that we're hypocrites we only care right. about america they are right well they are 100% right we only care about america issue. and everybody else's you know stuff we don't but i'm wondering what that is going to look like when uh, there there's two things that brought brought to my mind one Man, that sounds really crazy. There are some even worse human rights violations like organ, uh, taking out organ, human organs and selling them uh, and, you know, just shutting down all all kinds of things in China. You can find it. Type in in China human rights violations. You'll see it immediately. But it, it is a strange line to think we are going to tell China what to do. Just because we're America and we think we're better or something like that, you know what I mean, like that. But we're we global have, now in a way that we don't have the right not, to do that either. Be the isolationist that way. I mean, I mean, you don't it, want another country really chiming in on uh, our our government. Do you? Uh, what do you mean by uh, chiming in? I mean, that's what I'm saying. That the, the boundaries now are totally almost gone. Like if you think about, oh, like, it's Russia, middle election, we middle election. That's what I'm is saying. Does the media that China? What if China starts making really, really awesome movies that are super entertaining, entertaining, but contain messages about why authoritarian states are good? Will that be a problem? Yeah. Can we watch those movies? Should we? Should we support? I mean, or what are we what doing? about this? If they create an app that gets information about you and then it gets spread virally around the whole country and the whole world and it's based in Beijing and Toby uses it constantly and it's called TikTok. Don't you talk bad about TikTok. <laughs> Toby's a rising TikTok star. Do not don't, take I don't care if it's communist. I don't care if it's it. You don't talk bad about TikTok. Yes, Reva. <laughs> I love it. You will not talk bad about TikTok. Notice she was afraid Sorry. to bring it up during the interview <sighs> part. She that hurts say that. my feelings. <laughs> Do you know? Toby, I there's have, nothing wrong. I with have using over two hundred followers for the Unstoppable Badass. Unstoppable Badass is my TikTok handle. They're going to have bad you on a moral it. code. I'm moving to China. They know everything <laughs> about you. <laughs> Um, I think it's, I believe that though. They, I do think there must be something uh, that that uh. Right. What, what's the name of the phone? Huawei. Huawei. They, a lot of folks think that that is a way to try and infiltrate and find out information about us. And of that, course, it you is. know they're doing a lot of that. So. I mean, they, but, well, even if they're not now, all the Chinese government has to do is say, okay, all all they have to do is tell the giant company, no, we won't do that. And then three years from now, I go, okay, we're doing that now, and that's that. Yeah. So it doesn't yeah, matter like what they sounded- say. What she was saying, it sounded like there's a good possibility that the Chinese government has a hand in companies like and TikTok. <laughs> well, of course, of course they do. That's <laughs> but what I'm saying. Yeah, the boundaries do, of all of it going out of Apple. anything, but it's going way beyond your ability to, as a human and a consumer, to be able to sort. But it's well, even, that's why it's just so genius on their part. Like they've created this app that's doing so well. Like, it's obviously working, you know? 
I'm not sure You're that that's big, mainly. I don't think that's their main. Reba's got a huge conspiracy theory with TikTok. I know, like, like, that's why TikTok. I didn't want to bring it up because I'm like, I'm going to sound like a crazy conspiracy theorist here, but. Well, I mean, they have plenty of ways of, of spying on us. That I mean, I'm sure that that they may <laughs> they have, use some data from TikTok or whatever. Have, but I, but think if they have 600 million cameras, they're trying to put on their own people, and that's their people. Yeah. Now, if you had the ability to spy on your people that degree and wanted to, how much more yeah. would you like to spy on your enemies? Exactly. And you, I mean, think about it. So yeah. what, what? It doesn't matter what the way is. It's already very much happening. But also. There's Chinese artists and people. I mean, it's 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 the globalization part is the crazy part. Like for instance, we have fans in China. I know we do. I don't know how they get the podcast yeah. or, or Emory well, I, fans. But I looked up the stats on the podcast in the last three months. There's been 200 downloads in China. 200 people <laughs> in resistance holding it down. I love it. But I mean, think about that. We if you and I, if you go anywhere in the world to a major city, you will find. Uh, I mean, this is just what globalization means. If you go anywhere, it sounds like a good thing, of course. Like in, you go anywhere in a major city, you will find people that know me and Toby and would even pay money to come see us play music or do whatever. And every city in the whole world. And we didn't do anything yeah. to get that, but it now is true. So it's now true that you have influence and power globally. In a te- you know, And then the next question is, that sounded like it was a good thing. Maybe it ain't, because it also means it's true reverse. Like you can affect people in China. They can affect you. Right, that's yeah. a little bit scary. I'm, I, maybe it's not good. I don't, but it's no going back. No going back. I mean, we're global. So what yeah. you do today on this podcast has some increasing Ugh. amounts of global impact. So I yep. don't like living in that fucking world where everything I do has to be cosmic impact weighted, you know? And I think that's part of the sickness of what we're going through. I can't just talk about <laughs> That's kind of driving me mad. Reva, what do you think China will do with all the video content of women going, hey, yo, I don't look thick till I turn around check or the perfect camera <laughs> angle of their cleavage? How will they use that against Americans, yeah, what are they going to do? <laughs> it's the perfect distraction. What will they do to use that against us, those <laughs> I, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I am are. very concerned about <laughs> uh, scantily clad women dancing on TikTok and how that will be destroy America. Scantily clad it. women have always been the best distraction. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> the most the effective distraction. <laughs> Might be nice to have like China as a maybe everybody in America. Uh, China maybe they could act up a little bit more, act a little bit more of a fool to where at least maybe all of America could unite against a different global enemy instead of each other is that how about that one for a possibility might be nice if they went over and did some real awful shit so like all americans are like okay y'all aren't so bad we're not so bad let's all be together against china maybe that'd be good well if it all got revealed all the bad stuff they're doing i think that could be true like i mean i think doing, a lot of it's you know. revealed and people are still more intent on fighting their neighbor at the Facebook. moment, yeah. but that might change. I, I yeah. would be, that'd be yeah. nice if that flipped a little bit. But I'm not saying that. I'll like tell you something nice, normal guys. Chinese people. I'll tell you something nice, and it's not you know bad mouthing a wonderful app. This this is an app. This is a group of people called the BC Spouting Club. Off. Uh, no, just I mean, I tell you what, you find out who your friends are when you love something, and they try to destroy it and create away controversy. You have one viral TikTok. I, mean, I have people one damn thing. Down. I have one damn thing in my life that I can find joy in, and you would just shit on it, Reva. You just shit right on it. 
But you know what? The BC Club does not shit on anybody. They are great. Well, sometimes they do. That's why they're they're real. <laughs> but uh, they are great people. And if you're not a part of it, uh, you should join it because it helps make this podcast happen. There's a lot of great folks in there with a lot of great ideas and a lot of uh, some bad ideas, too. But they are truly supportive of uh, this podcast. And it's, it really has been like a big family. And uh, I'm excited to see what's to come in the future. So I'm going to tell you a couple of these uh BC Clovers, if that's all right with you. We got Dwayne Watson, which I almost said Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Uh, I got Boaz. I got Hope Kaiser, Joshua March, West Hanold, Mike Driscoll. Oh, that must be Mark's brother. You know, my brother, Mike. That's my. <laughs> no, your brother, Mike, changed his last name. I thought he was and uh, Matthew Osborne. All right. That's the BC Clovers. Man, this is such a, I, this was a top tier episode for me. I I really have enjoyed it. Would you base that on what information? Uh, like, I I would theorize that it simply feels good to have questions and get answers. Oh no, I was just talking about how Reva talked about Paul Rudd oh, being average and yeah, yeah, shit yeah, on TikTok. Yeah, right. that, you're right. <laughs> it let me know what, what kind of friend I have, and so I've been very enlightened. Got I am very, very enlightened. enlightened on my damn friendship with Reva Hanson. And I yes, I'll be calling your father Rod Hanson. And telling him what you do on the app that he probably loves to. All right, you just got Rod Hansen now banned from China. You fuck. Oh, you just made your dad you not be able to get a group on and go to China. Christmas. You know what you did, Reva. I hope you take some time and just think about what you did. It hurts.